0: to the Jay's Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Shapiro, and on tonight's show, we've got a wonderful roundtable for you, consisting of three, as I'd like to say, brilliant baseball minds. Ian Hunter from BlueJayHunter.com is here. Marshall Auerbach from the Levy Institute. And Jason Waddell from Prospect1500.com Three baseball minds who know a little something about the winter offseason and and in particular what the Blue Jays are thinking or may not be thinking of doing next. So if you have a moment, might I advise that you check out some of the great articles at jaysjournal.com where our writers and contributors work diligently to help you sort through the complexities of what has been a really depressing offseason. What you'll find with this upcoming roundtable is that our tone for all intents and purposes has a lot of depressing elements but I want you to know that they're not being done to necessarily put you in a state of mind where you have to commiserate or lament or look back at the past and say to yourself well if the window's done we don't really have much of a team the air of cynicism is thick in the air I can feel it I can feel it when I'm on social media and I can feel it when I speak with various different people in the industry and fans on the street and I can tell you as a true passionate Blue Jays fan first and foremost we have to look at things for what they are. We have to be empiricists. We all have our opinions on whether or not Mark Shapiro is doing the right job in, in a manner that we would all agree is the best way to go after we were spoiled by Alex Anthopoulos. But what we have to really appreciate is that when you've been a two-time major league executive in baseball, there's, you know, there's little something you probably know about the sport. And so I defer to Mark Shapiro in that regard. I defer to Ross Atkins as his hand-picked GM in this capacity to find the right options for the Blue Jays to win back some of the confidence from the fans. And I think that's really the real problem right now. The fans just aren't confident in this management group. I took a poll asking whether or not Mark Shapiro should bear the brunt of a lot of the frustrations and criticisms levied his way. And uh, more than three quarters of respondents, and there were a lot of them, five or six hundred, said that he is somehow to blame for this. I think only eight percent put the blame where a lot of people would argue it should go, which is Alex Anthopoulos. After all, what he did with the farm system, some people was almost downright baseball criminality. Now you again can interpret that any way you want, but as my listener, I beseech you consider the fact that this blue Jays team still has an enormous amount of talent and about $170 million payroll to work with. Let's see what these upgrades are in their totality. Let's see if, Ross Atkins can pull a rabbit out of his hat and get multiple Diaz-style players to replace some of these depth requirements. I know some of you are right now asking, but Ari, why would you go ahead and settle for that? Look, it's not about settling. It's about understanding which direction this management group is serious about heading. And the only way to do a proper evaluation of that is to... Let them finish the job. Literally, let them finish the job and bring the product and spring training for us to better evaluate and understand it. Until then, it's a lot of speculation, and I dare say I'm going to help contribute and stir the pot by offering you over an hour's worth of roundtable here on the Jay's Journal podcast. Thanks for tuning in. So let's take a moment now to introduce tonight's panel here on the Jay's Journal podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, we will be opening the phone lines. You can call in at 646 787 8521 for your chance to ask a question with these fantastic blue jays baseball experts that we have on the show um let's start first with uh the first member of the panel he covers the florida state league for prospects 1500.com and prospectstorm.com and he also apparently highly admires the internet baseball writers association of america who doesn't jason woodell thanks for joining the jay's journal podcast
1: hey ari thanks for having me on again
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you finding the time to join the panel. Uh, Our next guest is someone who is a market analyst and research associate at the Levy Institute and uh, appropriately enough calls himself a tragic follower of all Toronto sports. Marshall Auerbach is back on the show. Thanks for joining the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: And last but not least, a great friend of the show, he's a Toronto Blue Jays blogger and writer with Sporting News Baseball and is one of the foremost local authorities that you'll find on this team. You can find his great work at BlueJaysHunter.com. Ian Hunter, thanks for coming back on the show.
3: Yeah, Ray, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you.
0: Let's get started with um, the reason, quite frankly, I was on the fan 590 last night talking about Mark Shapiro, which is analyzing some recent comments he'd made and uh, in particular, using certain phrases and speak that has essentially infuriated fans across this country. Um, and he also alluded to the fact, above all else, that if it wasn't for Alex Anthopoulos, he would have started running this team differently. Let's get down to brass tacks, guys. I'm going to start with you, Ian. How much of the current plight, if you will, and uncertainty surrounding the Blue Jays has to do with Mark Shapiro versus Alex Anthopoulos. If you had to attribute the blame with how we got here, where do you put the Lions' share of that blame?
3: Um, I don't know. I I kind of ride the line. I I see things both ways. Um, I understand there hasn't really been a lot of uh, activity with the Blue Jays this offseason, but in general, in Major League Baseball, there really hasn't been all that much movement on the position player side. Um, But then on the other hand I I also understand why the Blue Jays Are reluctant to make moves this offseason Because you saw them jump the market Last year and they kind of overcommitted themselves to Kendris Morales They also missed out on bringing Edwin Encarnacion Back to a Which was a pretty fair market deal I would say Um, I don't know if there's A ton of outrage in Blue Jays land I think people are just really anxious to see something happen because there are definite holes on this roster that the Blue Jays need to fix. Um, and I think it's the, the two eras comparing you know, Anthopolis and Beeston to Shapiro and Atkins. it's much different. Um, you know, you saw the Blue Jays under Paul Beeston. They were really run like an old school business. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas now it's more of like a modern, Um, You know, a modern Fortune 500 company There really are processes It sounds like they go through You know, many considerations When they're signing and trading players So, I mean, I'm not saying one way is better than the other I'm just, I I think they're two very different strategies And I think people in Toronto are slowly Kind of getting used to this new uh, This new regime under Shapiro and Atkins I'm not, I don't know if one way is better than the other but there are definitely stark um, differences between the two.
2: I think uh, there's a, a a good model I always like to try to follow, which is that you uh, you underpromise and overdeliver, and um, if you don't have anything to say, really, then you know it's better not to say anything. I mean, you know, if I contrast, um, I think one of the things that people find annoying about um, Shapiro and Atkins say, in contrast, to, let, let's just hypothetically look at someone like Lou Lamarello. Lou Lammarello never says anything, but he he, he he doesn't actually, he manages, he seems to manage expectations very well because he doesn't really promise anything. He just says, you know, we've got a plan and we're going to stick with it. And um, I guess he's got the credibility of, uh, of having built a, a number of winners over the years. But uh, I think a lot of the stuff that both Shapiro and Atkins say it, it, it's it verges on the absurd at times. I mean, I, 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 this this constant line that you know, if it wasn't for uh, you know, it, we really feel that if it wasn't for the fans, um, you know, we we would have actually started this tear down already if it wasn't for the fan support. So, you know, in, in, to draw a contrast with uh, Alex Anthopoulos, I remember back in two thousand and eleven or two thousand and twelve, I think it was when. Um, you know the fans were getting all revved up because they thought they might get you, Darvish, and 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 all of a sudden he came with this line that, you know, if we don't get the fan support, we can't actually, uh, you know, uh, expand our budget and uh, make uh, serious acquisitions, which, re- which really upset people because I, you know, they always thought, well, if you if you build a decent team, they'll start to, the fans will start to show up, and Shapiro interestingly enough seems to be saying the opposite. He said, well, because you showed up, we can't really uh, commence a, a rebuild and, and and tear down, which I think yeah, is pretty yeah. absurd. I, I I actually have always felt that people will accept a well thought out plan um and it, it, it's it's what i've said on this show before is that the it's the indifference that you had on, on previous management that I think uh, was a real problem and um now you've got a situation where um, uh, it, people care but the, 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 I think that these guys do have a plan, but I think making comments like you know we would have started already you know if it wasn 't for the, there was a tear if it wasn 't for you know the fans coming in, in, in at, at record numbers last year you know my feeling is you know that that, that there 's that old line uh you know if you if you start listening to the fans too much soon you 'll be sitting up and, and, and w- with them in the in the stands, and so I just assume they they stick with their plan, whatever that is uh they announce it really through their actions. And um, and and they'll be judged on that rather than by these um, you know marketing statements.
1: I think they're in a really uh, I don't want to say difficult. I think they're in, in a great situation where there is talent on the roster. This was a team that went to the playoffs a couple of years ago. Um, there is some aging talent, um, you know, and and the prospects are coming, but. We might be a year off from seeing, you know, the full extent of of the power of the farm system. I I understand they they want to kind of start to rebuild and get rid of some of these older guys, but I, I I think they're towing the line a little bit too much. And and I think par- probably part of I think some of the frustration is it's been a slow hot stove for everybody except for the Yankees and the Marlins. It seems like um and maybe the cardinals with that highway robbery of Ozuna. uh but it, it's i think we're still waiting for a lot of these uh these free agents to to sign and now the free agents are starting to wait to to see what happens with the Manny Machado market so it seems like this offseason it's just been the dominoes have, have been relatively slow to fall and and people are getting antsy so it's it's let's just give them something um, and I think they're actually doing themselves a bit of a disservice, as Marshall was saying, to kind of even try to play both sides. Uh, you know, I they think they'd be better off to to say we we want to, or, or to stick what they had been saying: we want to be competitive, but we also want to transition and find ways that we can fill our holes while not blocking any any prospect that's ready or overpaying just to say that we did something on the free agent market.
0: Now, that's particularly interesting to me, Jason, because there are very few people I know who understand the value of prospects and the history of the Blue Jays like you do. So if there's someone who can appreciate how Alex Anthopoulos regarded the value of prospects, you know full well that he was notorious for completely overvaluing them. The whole strategy with him was to build up a stockpile of arms so that if for whatever reason, as you try to do your proverbial five-year plan, should it fail, you have one last all-in. You have one last parachute cord that you can still tug on. And, of course, in 2015, that's precisely what he did. He rolled the dice, and it really worked out. And we can look back, and we can argue whether or not it was folly to get rid of every, you know, organizational left-handed pitcher, as well as, you know, in your minor league system, as well as some of the big names like the Guards and the Norrises and the Hoffmans. But do you view this crop, spearheaded by Bichette and Guerrero, in your opinion, are they untouchable or are you not going to be surprised if in filling some of these holes to stay competitive, they might actually do the unthinkable and trade a Bo
1: Bichette or a Vlad Guerrero Jr. I certainly hope not. I think that these guys are special talents to do what they're doing as teenagers. Um, Just from the sheer marketing standpoint of having your own one, two punch to go along with, with uh Stanton and Mookie Betts and, and Ben Attending in Boston um I th- I think that it would be probably a bad idea. I mean Vlad Vlad you can't trade him he's he's got to be untouchable I mean we're we're talking about this guy could be a right-handed Joey Votto um Bichette's a little different scouts are still a little you know not some aren't all in on him you know some want to see what he does in double A but I think that at least those two guys you gotta hold on to and I've even heard some people after after this uh, winter ball season for Anthony Alford, you know, make the case that he can't go those three can't go anywhere. And that the rest of these guys are fair game. Um, mm. you know, but what is what does that mean? Does that mean getting back a Christian Yelich? That's the that's the one that I've seen floated around on Twitter the most is is would you trade Bouchette for Yelich? I mean Yelich would give you five years of control um, I think I know what type of hitter Yelich is. He's still incredibly young and he's played most of his games in Miami, so what would he be in the Rogers center? But would he also be worth uh that type of talent up the middle? I I think I'd have trouble pulling the trigger on Bachet even even if it meant Yelich. Um but the rest of these guys I would totally go all in on and and I definitely would not trade Anyone in my top five or six prospects for a one-year rental, I would want something back that I could, you know, that had some controllable years on it and didn't cost the cost a
3: fortune. Yeah, I mean, that's I've been, been like the one fatal flaw of this organization for the past, I don't know, ten years, is that they haven't developed uh, even just a star position player. I, I think yeah. back to maybe Aaron Hill was like the last guy that the Blue Jays drafted and developed and who turned into an everyday player. So we've just, eventually you have to stock your farm system with guys. You can just pluck up. I mean, we've seen this happen in Boston and New York and they just seemingly bring guys out of nowhere, especially Los Angeles with the Dodgers. I mean, they're able to, they had so much depth that they just bring guys up from the minor leagues and they don't, and they don't miss a beat. Whereas the Blue Jays, I mean, you're, you're sidled with Ryan Goins and Darwin Barney picking up the at bats in the middle infield when uh, Tulowitzki and Travis go down. So um, it, it's difficult because you don't, obviously, these guys are huge, valuable trade chips, guys like Vlad and, uh, and Bichette. But at the same time, you also want to look forward and say, well, these guys could be potential superstars. Is it worth it? Now, or are we forecasting these guys as being Mm. everyday players for us in in three to four years? So um, I'm really not, I'm still not quite sure where this organization is. I feel like guys that they didn't draft and develop, maybe they're more likely to deal them away. But I believe um, Shapiron Atkins did draft Bichette, so maybe there's less of a tendency to want to shop him. But aside from him and Guerrero, maybe everybody else is fair game.
1: Yeah, I
2: would say actually, um, Yelich for Bichette. That's actually one of the more interesting ones because um, you know, as great a prospect as Bichette is, you hope that he develops into the kind of player that Yelich already is. And remember, these guys have prospects. So um, you know, I tweeted earlier today and said it. You know, it's like it's like um, you know, looking at a, a, a gold. Exploration property where you haven't actually drilled anything, but it looks like you've got great prospectivity there, versus uh, an existing mine that produced a lot of gold already in cash flow. So, um, and you know maybe you can get another gu- guy uh, from the the, uh, the the Marlins as well. I mean since. Um, Derek Cheetah seems to be in the process of turning it into a you know, a, a dollar store. Um, you know, I think someone referred to it as a pawn shop today. I said that's probably too much, he's turning it into a dollar store. And of course you've got other players now their you know, their catcher just today indicated that he wants out because he can see what's going on. So, you know, there 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 does seem to be um opportunities there. Um it would be hard to let go of Bichette, but certainly Yelish is the type of guy you'd you'd want to think about. Um, but to go back to your other point about an- uh, Anthopolis and uh, the lack of development of, of, of all these of the prospect, I would say that um, y- Shapiro, in in one sense, has, was very unfair when he sort of said, "Well, he cleaned up the the top tier of the of the system." You know, when he made all these trades, the reality is that, um, and this again goes back to my point about pochette and Prospect Capital. Um, it, it's they are still prospects, and if, the reality is that if you look at the players that were traded away by the Blue Jays um, in 2015, none of them have really become uh, major league forces. I mean, you know, a guy like Jeff Hoffman's done okay in Colorado. I mean, no one's going to do great in Colorado, and I think Miguel Castro has done okay. But most of the other guys um, uh, have not really uh, done uh, well at all, or, or certainly... Uh, they, they haven't come back and really uh, bit the team in the bum in the in in the, in the sense you could look back and say, oh my God, um, what did we do here? You know, not like one of these old trades where where the Leafs you know um, trade away at draft choice which turns out to be Scott Niedermeyer. and 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 uh, they, they've got some you know um, hack defenseman from New Jersey, Tom Kerbers, for a few years. So they haven't made a, actually a trade like that. Um, uh, and Thopolis didn't make a trade like that, which in some ways maybe is an indictment of, of, the, of his, his actual ability to, to um, judge young talent. I don't, I don't know, but um, I, I still think that, you know, I would have made those trades uh, that he made, and, 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 you know, you knew that there was a price to be paid. The price was paid last year. So to me, the, the, the real question is, do you um, still try to rebuild on the fly, give it one more shot with the current core before you do the teardown? And again, uh, if you're going to go that route, the the, the 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 player that is key in that regard, I think, still is Josh Donaldson. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any indication yet from Ross Atkins, certainly from what he said recently, that they are the slightest bit inclined to let him go. But um, if you did want to um, expand your prospect capital, build up the farm system a little bit more, Um, and maybe say, okay, we're going to, you know, 2018 is a bit of a write-off. We're not really sure we're going to be competitive, but we'd like to be there 2019, 2020. Then that's the decision you've got to make. And um, I don't think that they're going to make that decision, but personally, that's the way I'd go. I definitely would be more inclined to, you know, start accelerating the, uh, uh, I won't say, rebuild or the tear down, but, you know, at least retool a little little bit more aggressively on the fly the way that Brian Cashman has done with the Yankees over the last few years.
1: I agree with you. As far as prospects and and prospect capital, do you want to move uh, guys um, uh, based on future projection versus what you can get, um, you know, currently? Uh, With that being said, I would be more apt to move the pitching prospects than I would hitters. I think hitters are a little bit easier to forecast and predict. Mm. Um, and and I do think that going back to what the last the last real regular that the Blue Jays developed was Aaron Hill, which seems like a lifetime to go. Uh, yep. I think it's important. I think it's important to try to hold on those to those bats, but if they were to move a guy like Bouchette you know, it does seem like they were able to draft uh, quite a bit of shortstops this year. Uh, I would, I would definitely though, try and move some of the pitching prospects, but I feel like a lot of those guys had their values kind of crushed at double A. So, hmm. you know, would, would a Sean Reed Foley and a John Harris and, and uh, let's Green. say, let's, yeah, let's say Connor Green would those three plus a Danny Jansen bring back uh, Christian Yelich? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so, so I would be more willing to strike with the uh, when the iron is hot, as far as before they get to Double A. If 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 someone like Nate Pearson can, as much as I as much as I love the guy and want to see him in Toronto, I think he almost has more value as a trade piece. Versus some of the other guys who have who seem to have been exposed in New Hampshire, uh, and I think you gotta you gotta keep that in mind, you know, with with especially the young pitchers because once they get exposed, then I mean they can go from getting you a guy like Yelich and, and be considered a top 100 prospect to almost a mere afterthought with some of those guys in New Hampshire that, that really really struggled to to reproduce any success.
3: Right, and I mean Bichette is. I mean, everyone's high on him right now, especially in Toronto. But, I mean, he still has a really long way to go to get to the major leagues. Um, I mean, it sounds like Vlad is definitely much closer to uh, to breaking through. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be this year. Maybe it's 2019. But, um, you know, maybe the value is at its highest right now for Beau Bichette um, because there is so much that can go wrong between – you know, high A and the major leagues. And as you mentioned, there's still not everybody is sold on his swing. Um, I mean, universally, you know, Vlad Guerrero is probably going to be the number one prospect in baseball this winter. I think that's an agreement across baseball, but Bichette, there are still a few detractors. So I, I almost, I kind of feel like if the, if the Jays were to deal him, it would have to be this off season and uh, it really his value can only go up from here but uh, at that point he i feel like he becomes uh, a project for the blue jays like you've drafted him you've got you basically at this point you've committed to develop them um, unless you're going to package him in a deal for a superstar like somebody like Yelich. i mean it would be that would be the the move to make but if they don't make it this offseason i don't i don't feel like there's a player like the blue jays, the blue jays could acquire and send Bichette to get. I feel like this. If they don't do it now, they're not going to trade Bichette in the future.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I think agree. that's the window. I mean, especially with with uh, this is the max point of maximum leverage that they have with the, the Marlins, where they're just trying to uh, get rid of as much uh, salary as they can. So you're not going to. You, you combine that with the fact that you've got, also got all these, um, you know, Atlanta Braves prospects that are all of a sudden free agents. So now's a good time to, if you're going to do it, this is the year to to. to strike but um it'll be harder to do next year when those guys are a little bit further up the uh, the food chain so to speak so this is this would be the year that you really want to do it
1: if you just look at the market of what's available is is there anybody out there that is has four to five years of control that you would want that you would think that he would be worth it i mean i kind of feel like yelich is is the easy name to think of uh, because he's owed $50 million for the next five years, and it's in his prime. I mean, I can't think of, off the top of my head, any other guys on other teams that have such a team-friendly contract that are that young and would be worth even moving him for.
2: The other trade that you proposed earlier, where you throw in a few pitching prospects uh, and uh, um, uh, Danny Jansen, uh, uh the 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 other name that springs to mind for me is someone like Billy Hamilton. You know, he he's supposedly available, and and I think he'd be an interesting addition. And and, and at that point, you'd probably want to trade Pilar, Kevin Pilar, if to to. Because, uh, but he he's the only other guy out there that I I think would be a very very intriguing ad for the team, and would you know again, you've you've still got a number of years of control, and he fills a lot of um, um, uh, he, he checks a lot of boxes both in terms of speed, defense. I mean, I was watching. Uh, byron buxton last year with minnesota and i just thought god you know this guy steals as yeah. many uh, runs <laughs> as he does produce and i think hamilton can do the same and i, I remember watching him play a, a, a few times against toronto and just he was his speed he was so disruptive on the the base paths that um, you know uh, that that's a dimension that this team really lacks and hasn't had for a long time and if there is a way of packaging an interesting deal for him, he'd be the other guy I'd really want to be looking at. But otherwise, I mean, I would stay away from the, the, the Lorenzo Canes uh, and, and, and all these other guys, like the Jay Bruce's, the, the Carlos Gomez's, the Car- uh, Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, um, I, I just don't think that those those guys really add anything. Um, if you were going to go short-term, so was saying earlier, I, I might go for someone like a Jared Dyson, who still has a lot of speed. He, he and you could platoon him with Steve Pearson, unless that might make a fe- an effective combination. You could probably get him on a two-year deal, something like that. that. That's the kind of deal that would make sense to me. But otherwise, I would, I'm not, I wouldn't go wild about um, free agents.
1: Now you mentioned JT Realmuto from Miami earlier. I saw the report too that he's he's asking out. I do think yeah. the Blue Jays match up well with a trade for him. I think you have to include Jansen in that trade. Sure, but I would
2: do that he, because I think he's already yeah. he is already where Jansen, you, where you hope Jansen will yeah. be, become. So I would definitely may, want to make that trade. And you know, again, um, you could argue that well, Russell Martin, you, st- you, you still got him, but Martin, you could probably DH more. And and I think you, he's at a point in his career where you know he, he you'd want a one A one B type of situation. We show, I mean, it, it certainly was apparent last year when he wasn't playing how much weaker the team was. Um, but I could definitely see him. Um, ultimately, supplanting Martin and have Martin there. Um, you know, playing. You know, you reduce his workload down to about seventy, eighty games, and then lower as the as the years in his contract go on. But I would definitely want to get that guy if he's available. Yeah, he's a he's and a
1: good catcher. He has a power speed uh, power speed profile too. And I think that uh, you know, Dan, a, a package with one or two of the arms that I had mentioned: Reed Foley, Harris, uh, Connor Green, with the Danny Jansen. Uh, that might be. Something that the Marlins might look at doing, just because of the high upside from those arms and the fact that Jansen really increased his stock this year. And
2: Toronto still has a lot of depth there because Reese McGuire has all of a sudden, you know, he was already considered major league ready on from a, a defensive standpoint, but now he's starting to hit well. So again, you, you're you're dealing from a position of strength there, where you can fill a lot of needs, and uh,
0: um, so I that you know it's definitely something you could consider doing now. Ian, you have an article that. Uh, by now, I'm sure it's been probably trending for the last, I don't know, it seems like 48 hours. It's fantastic. It's entitled, If Josh Donaldson Isn't For Sale, Why Do the St. Louis Cardinals Keep Calling? Which is brilliant. It's brilliant hmm. because it's such a simple elementary question, and yet it's incredibly complicated for a lot of people to digest. Because the Blue Jays haven't tipped their hands. You know, we've—well, all four of us have heard the reports related to inquiries and how the Blue Jays have essentially said, I'll pick up the phone and listen, but that's all. Not really interested in doing, you know, that, that the cynic in me listens to that, reads that and listens to the, the thinking behind it. Now, I, it just doesn't work for me. I think this team is seriously prepared to trade him. Do, do you agree with that sentiment? Ian?
3: Um, I think it depends on whether the, the offer from the Cardinals changes. Now, a lot has shifted. I mean, they were apparently in on Stanton, and perhaps they're prepared to come to the table with a better deal um, for mm-hmm. Josh Donaldson. I think that prob- at this point, Josh Donaldson is more valuable to the Blue Jays' uh, 2018 playoff run than he is as a trade chip right now. Because if you mm-hmm. trade him, you set off the the, the reset, and – if you did that, then why did you re-sign Marco Estrada? And, you know, 2018 is all of a sudden this giant question mark. Um, I don't think that precludes them from potentially trading him at the trade deadline. I think the Blue Jays actually may find more suitors for him at the trade deadline than they will this offseason because, really, you're not, there aren't a lot of teams out there who are willing to give up a lot of prospect capital for a guy with only one year of control, like Josh Donaldson. Now, if you fast forward to the trade deadline with the advent of the second wild card, there's a lot more teams in the mix now. And if you can add a six, seven win player like Josh Donaldson, that can help really put you over the top. So I think um, if the Blue Jays aren't in the tank and they're not faring well, I think Josh Donaldson's on the market next trade deadline. But as of now, I think it's probably just the Cardinals using the Blue Jays as leverage. Um, That's just my own theory. I think, I think they're probably just using, uh, floating the Blue Jays and Josh Donaldson out there because they have full intentions of getting someone like a Manny Machado or Evan Longoria, and they're just putting up this appearance like they have interest in Donaldson to leverage the, a way into getting Machado or Longoria. I don't, I don't think a, a deal is out there between the Cardinals and the Jays right now. Um, there may be in July, but right now I don't think it's going to happen.
2: Well, the, the thing with Machado is he says he wants to play shortstop again. He doesn't want to play third, so that does tend to uh, throw another wrinkle into the whole uh, market with with regard to him. Anyway,
1: I've heard more play on the Cardinals on on Longoria than I have on Donaldson. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, much to the chagrin of Cardinals fans, because if you look at his numbers compared to kind of who they have in house with Jed Jerko. Uh, Longoria is already cheap with the contract. The Rays aren't going to give him away. He's the he's the face of the franchise. I think they're listening. Uh, I don't think Toronto trades Josh Donaldson. I just don't get the sense that 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 fits what's what they want to do. I don't think they're going to get the guys that they would want. I think it'll be better than than what the Yankees got for Stanton, but and probably even what the uh, Marlins got for Ozuna. I'm sorry, what the Yankees gave up for Stanton, but I, I don't see I don't see anybody paying that big price that they that they that they should ask for uh, in regards to trading him in July. It might be a little different, although you're going to have to take less back for him in July uh, with with it only being like a couple months. But you might be able to squeeze somebody. I, I'd like to see them at least sit down, talk serious extension with him.
3: Yeah, I mean that's that was. I thought earlier in the year that was like the big question plaguing the Blue Jays this offseason was that what are they going to what is the future between them and Josh Donaldson and earlier in the year I kind of got the appearance that you know these two probably should kind of try to connect on some sort of contract extension but it's just the vibe that I'm getting from this front office is that I don't feel like that's in the picture and that's kind of the, the sentiment I've heard as well is that you know they're both talking, like Josh Donaldson's saying he would like to stick around in Toronto. Blue Jays front office is saying they want to extend him. But, I mean, what else are these guys going to say, right? Um, I, I just feel like it's not in the picture. It just doesn't line up. You're, you're signing a guy in his um, early to mid-30s to a five-, six-year contract extension. As we've seen, that usually doesn't end very well. Um, it also ties up a lot of payroll. I mean, we're see, you know you're seeing that with Troy Tulowitzki, Russell Martin. Uh, they're making 20 plus million dollars a year. Um, it's a that's a lot of payroll to have tied up into one player in his in his mid 30s as, as great as a talent as Josh Donaldson is. So I mean, I'm not convinced they're going to sign a contract extension. You know, maybe they get creative and do a. A really high AAV deal for three or four years at like I don't know thirty or thirty-five million dollars, but I mean I think Josh Donaldson is going to go to market and he's going to try to get as much money as he possibly can. He'll probably make over he'll make over a hundred million dollars for sure. I don't know how how long of a duration that contract will be, but I mean he's earned that right. And um, I guess it just feels like do the Blue Jays the thing I've always wondered is that. If the Blue Jays let Josh Donaldson go, you have to replace that talent somehow. Where does that come from? Maybe it's Vlad Guerrero Jr., depending on how he develops this year. the Blue Jays' organization feels like they can replace Donaldson's talent with Guerrero, maybe they feel a little more comfortable letting him walk. And Donaldson passes the baton to Guerrero Jr., so maybe that's what happens. If Guerrero takes a step back and the Blue Jays are in contention this year, Maybe they feel like they need to re-sign him, so it's all. I think this will all shake down. We'll get a better sense in the next six to seven months about the future of these two. But ultimately, I, it's hard to envision them uh, getting together on a contract extension.
1: Then they have to trade him. If 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 that's the temperature in the room, you can't let him walk for. You can't let him walk at the end of the year uh, without with and and risk getting. What, a competitive balance pick, maybe? Um, I think... I. Part of me, I, I I guess how what I want to say is part of me is thinking, I'm hearing what Atkins and Shapiro are saying about the rebuild, and if it wasn't for the fans showing up, we would have done it sooner. Um, here we are, we're going to discuss Donaldson. I think kind of how you gauge what type of season this is going to be is going to I think you can correlate it to those contract extension talks. If rumors start coming out that they're way off on years in AAV, uh, I think you can pretty much mark it down. They will trade him, and then they have at least on the PR front, we couldn't afford him, we couldn't come to a deal. Here's why. we got to get something for him. And I think that's how they're going to pitch a full rebuild to the fans. It's going to be the lack of an extension as, as the catalyst to that rebuild. You know, if uh if I'm listening to us as a
0: fan, I'm profoundly depressed because it seems like all we're doing is <laughs> rationalizing gradations of really sad outcomes, you know, really sad news. I mean, we know that there's a certain you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't when it comes to Josh Donaldson, and obviously the sentimentalist inside of me says you can't trade an MVP-caliber game-breaker at this day and age when you have already so many depleted positions. I mean, really, aside from the power corners of the diamond and whatever gravy they get from catching and maybe, you know, left field, this team can't hit home runs. They have to go figure out how to replace the power and at the same time address the lack of speed and athleticism that it's clearly lacking. It's obvious. And I really had an opportunity to, re- to open up my frustrations yesterday about these comments, you know, you just mentioned it, Jason, soft reset, uh, contend and rebuild. We have to give the fans credit that they can deal with bad news and they will value an action plan. But there doesn't seem to be an action plan. And it's all been, for all intents and purposes, bad news. And, and it and it leaves your mind wandering and, and asking the question of where was all that great, amazing joie de vivre that was built up? After September 2015, you know, it just seems like yesterday the four of us were looking at this window of contention. And here we are rationalizing why it's not only closed, but we have to pick up the scraps in the ALD's table by contending for the wild card, the second wild card of one game to determine a 162-game season. Um, Marshall, when you kind of look at the plight that they're in, you start asking yourself... Why not just pick one side? Why not decide whether to heavily invest and build a team that you can be proud of? Or if you're not going to do that, why not, in the spirit of overvaluing prospects, trust the fan base to return when you've got an exciting young team with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Even, even with them, we know their development is a challenge. Marner and Nylander have seven goals between them. So what happens if Vladi and Bo show up and they're not the heroes? What, what do we do then?
3: Well,
2: that's that's always a risk, and I you know I don't want to add to the depression, but you know, I think uh, the last thing I read recently about Laddie was that he was batting about two eleven in, in the, the Dominican League, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. Now it could be that he was he was very tired uh, at the end of the he's he's played a lot of baseball this year, so I don't want to get <laughs> too much into that. But um, but look, you know you you got to roll a dice. Nothing's a sure bet. Um, I. I, you know, I'm not too depressed by it because I, I actually think that, uh, you know, just like the, the the duck paddling mildly beneath the surface, I think the the team has been doing a fair bit restocking at the minor league system. I mean, I think the the rating of the farm system, uh, 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 Jason would know this better than me, but I think it's gone from about 24th to top 10. But I'd I'd like to see it to be top three, and in that regard, you know, I I'm not sure that they have to go for a complete Houston Astros type teardown. Um, again, uh, I will come back to uh, Brian Cashman um, and what he's done in New York. Now everyone says the, the Yankees all they do is buy championships and they use their balance sheet to, you know, make a Stanton ac- like a acquisition, and that has historically been true. But if you look at what Cashman has done over the last five years, they, they were in a very similar situation to the Blue Jays in 2012. Um, they had an old team. And they didn't make any major free agent signings uh, uh, for for a while, um, but they did build up their prospect capital. They you know they managed to acquire uh, um, uh, Judge Sanchez. Uh, he made a very very shrewd trade for Gregorius. So and it was only after he uh, the, the the Yankees got this um, core together that they they made these final few steps, and the, the last one being Stanton, and possibly Machado being one after that. But and, and and for sure they have a bigger balance sheet. They could do more than than Toronto can do. But but they've now uh, become a very young team, and they're going to be dominant for a long time. And they still have a very very rich farm system again. And so so he's done a remarkable job over the last uh, four or five years. Now do I do I think of Ross Atkins? and Mark Shapiro are capable of that? I, I, I don't really know. I mean, the Shapiro and Atkins, you know, did a, a reasonably good job with Cleveland under much more difficult circumstances. But, you know, I, I, I don't actually think this, um, you know, rebuild on the fly is is, is that far-fetched. Um, but I do think that given where the Yankees are right now, where the Cubs are, where the Dodgers are, do I think the Jays the, the are an elite team right now I'd say no uh, so, so they're they're not that far away from being good again but uh, I sort of think this year you know I, I, it's a case of you know reculé pour me I'd like to see them I wouldn't mind seeing them um, trade Donaldson if they can I mean look if they can get a couple of guys like from St. Louis like an Alex Reyes uh, and and maybe uh, you know a few other prospects in their system then I would think you know why not do it um, why not give that a shot um, Again, I, I'm, I'm of the view that you know, nothing is, uh, no one is untradeable. and I'm also in the Billy Bean camp, which says that you know it's better to trade a guy too early, mm-hmm. a year too early, than a year too late. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, just as a, hypo, a, a hypothetical, you know, in, in, in 2015, after the 2015, you know, when 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 Jose Bautista had his uh, meeting with the uh, the Rogers people. In February of, uh, of of 2016, and uh, you know the rumor came up that he was asking for 150 million over six years. And you were probably still having the same fan base saying, you know, sign the guy, pay him, pay him, pay him, and you know, God help us if if they'd actually you know um, um, done that contract. I mean, the the really bloodless thing to have done, which they couldn't do, of course, politically, would have been to have traded him after 2015 when you know his his value was never going to be higher. And you know, as far as trading Josh Donaldson in the middle of the year goes. Yeah, I mean he that might be the the smart thing to do that's what they might do. Um there's no guarantee of course that he's going to, you know, uh continue to show the form that he showed uh, um at the for the last second half of last year. I mean for remember he was injured for the first half of last year and he started very slowly. So, uh there is a risk at his his value is never going to be higher than it is right now, and um, maybe there is someone who, like St. Louis, can say, "Yeah, we're confident we could probably sign him even after, after uh, we we may may make a trade for him." So we will yeah. offer a boatload of prospects for him.
1: I do think St. Louis would be a good fit. Uh, you mentioned Reyes. I, if Reyes is on the table, you got that's a trigger that that's a trigger that I would want to pull, uh, especially if you're not going to be able to re-sign him. I don't know the details and how far how far they are up how far that you know apart the sides are i can't imagine that they're really close together cuz i wouldn't give donaldson more than 5 years and i i think he's going to want uh big money but i hope he's smart enough to realize that if he goes into market with machado and harper both out there uh, he's going to get he's going to get the leftover scraps I think that's Yeah, what's I mean, to Eric Hosmer right now.
2: Exactly, Hosmer and also uh, Mustakas hasn't gone anywhere yet. I mean, for, you know, it, it, so it'll be interesting. It may, now it may be that these guys help to set the market a little bit and give the, the the Blue Jays themselves a little bit more guidance as to um, how much or whether they can indeed and for afford, uh, afford uh, Donaldson for a longer term contract, and maybe they take the chance. But, but uh, maybe the same thing that happened to. Edward, Ed, Edwin Encarnacion happens to uh, Donaldson. It's it, it's very hard to predict. Um, you know that he might not. I, mean, I remember when uh, when Encarnacion was first a free agent, everyone thought you know Boston's going to sign him. It's going to be a five years, one hundred and twenty five million, and you know he right. signed for less than half that. So you know things can change, um, and maybe the, the you know you, maybe the, you've got to give uh, the Toronto management uh, credit because um, you know the easy thing would be to make some fan pleasing move right now and you know fill up the, the off-season news maybe they're right to just be patient um and um, see what what actually transpires as uh, the, the closer we get to the uh, regular season the more the, the leverage i think shifts uh in their favor so um that's why i just say you know Stop promising everything. Stop saying you're looking at so and so, or having an eye, or checking in with so and so. I mean that's just nonsense. I mean it was like this this whole BS about you know well we're really interested in Shohei Otani. Yeah, well you and 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 29 other teams. So you know let's let's uh, you know try to keep these things in the realm of reality and 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 don't play the fans for fools. I think that's the uh, the other thing. They, they, no one likes being played for a fool and having their intelligence collectively insulted.
0: Well, we'll certainly see what the future has in store because it's been. It's been one rife with the kind of uncertainty, which is great when you're in the business of writing about the team or going on radio and talking about the team. But for me, as someone who's been very close with this brand, with this franchise, what they've done, and we've had some difficult times if you've you've been a long time suffering Blue Jays fan. And, you know, I heard a statistic that the Buffalo Bills are trying to break, what, 18 years of playoff utility. Well, we've suffered through 25. And the fact that we just happened to get – one division title along the way and a chance to be in the playoffs. I'm not surprised to see the degree of frustration and outpouring of grief from some of the people I've been speaking with. It's getting a little toxic now. I guess the hope should be that if a move is made, and we know this organization can make sound moves. I mean, Jason, what did you think about getting Diaz to replace a Goins? Isn't that isn't that a classic Mark Shapiro value-oriented move that has a huge upside and is better than what we had before? Should we take stock and and faith in that, knowing that if they can make these kind of moves, maybe they can build a an eighty five eighty seven win team next year?
1: It's all about the little things, Ari, and that is that is an under the radar move that I that's I. I think there's a lot left in Diaz's tank. I, I love that move. Me too. Um, but it's those small moves that that should be the ones that are applauded. And, and let's not worry about this big splash here, this big splash mm-hmm. there. Now they have a viable former all-star to back up Lewitsky. You can now move Urania over to second base. Um So it just completely changes the depth on the infield. Um, And while Diaz doesn't have a lot of power, he can hit the ball out of the park. And it was his bat his rookie year that that really played. So I think he he might be one of those guys that, you know, I've said it every time I come on here, the Blue Jays are awesome at finding guys who, for whatever reason as a hitter, uh, were were given up on by their organizations and not only do they salvage their career, they turn them into
3: Mm -hmm. all-star
1: caliber hitters perennially. I'm not saying Diaz could be that guy, but I'm also not saying that he can't be because he's young enough uh, to where he could be the shortstop for the next five to 10 years, especially if you think that, that you got to move Bichette over to second or Vladdy to first and Bichette to third. Um, but he could be that stabilizing factor, and at the end of the day, even if he's a total bust, I think he provides you with enough talent to be an upgrade over what they had backing up the middle infield the years before. Second that,
3: right? Definitely. I mean, I, I I like the Diaz move. I feel like, you know, he's um, basically a, an equivalent of Ryan Goins who can hit. Now, I mean. Goins was better with the glove but I mean this was a team who that was one of the lowest scoring teams in baseball last yeah. year and um, any any additional offense they can get is great. I think Diaz has maybe four or five years uh, of control left. Um, looked really great uh, in his rookie season uh, with the Cardinals um, and now all of a sudden you've got a, util- a legit utility infielder and you know, all all respected, Darren Barney and Ryan Goins, they they were asked to pick up a lot of the slack with the with the injuries of Tulowitzki and Travis. But now you have a guy who legitimately could step in and play every day at either of those positions. So it's not uh, the sexiest off season move. I didn't see a lot of people, you know, planning the ticker tape parade for the Blue Jays, but um, <laughs> it is it as Jason mentioned. It's kind of like the small things that. Uh, that could build up, and this this move it may not move the needle a lot in 2018, but down the road it allows Blue Jays a little more flexibility uh, in the middle infield for sure.
1: And how many times have we seen a young kid, a young hitter come up, have a lot of success his first year? I believe this guy just completely off the top of my head. I think Diaz hit 300 with 17 home runs his rookie year. Struggled. Yeah. They struggle, or how many times have we seen a guy put up that type of production, struggle their second year, and then come back? It's that third year, which to me is the make is is one of the make or break years. To will this guy be an, a major league regular, or will the struggles that plagued him his sophomore year they call it a sophomore slump for a reason? Will those continue to dog him and those lack of adjustments continue, uh, you know, to plague him at the plate? And I don't know. What we're going to get out of Diaz, but he did hit 300 with 17 home runs as a rookie, and a sophomore slump, in my opinion, is no reason to write off that type of that type of hitter. I think with the Cardinals, they were just stacked with uh, Paul DeYoung. They had Jerko there. Uh, they really didn't have a place for him, and so he became expendable to
0: them. Well, one thing's for sure. Ryan Gomes picked a tough year to hit 330 with the bases loaded and pretty much provide the only uh, clutch hitting this year but as you mentioned having a ryan gones player who can hit that's going to make a difference and it's the small moves that hopefully if they start making some any right now uh would give us all reason to uh, reasons to think very highly of what might happen next there, there's definitely talent on this team and you know it's strange to have to keep trying to convince people to hang in there one moment and then give up hope the next but I've always tried to kind of take an even, moderate approach when it comes to looking at this team without having you know, Rodgers or Bell looming over your shoulders. So I appreciate you all coming on tonight because I think this was a, a fantastic roundtable. We talked about a lot of cool stuff. Um, let's go around the horn. Let's go Ian, um, Marshall, and Jason maybe mention something that we could use for a nice plug tonight related to what you're working on and how fans can reach you on social media.
3: Sure. So, um, I guess, uh, you mentioned my piece earlier from earlier today, about uh, Josh Donaldson, um, so that's, that's up at bluejhunter.com. Also writing, um, for sporting news MLB, um, you know, things are kind of quiet this off season, so I haven't been contributing a ton there this off season, but you can find my work there as well. Um, also writing uh, for daily hive, uh, which is across Canada. And cool. um yeah basically just waiting waiting for the Blue Jays uh to make some off-season moves um you know I don't think it's going to be um, some or, any earth-shattering trades or transactions but um the the things will be on the horizon so I'll be writing uh, about that at uh, bluejayhunter.com
2: well, I'm I'm not really writing anything on on uh, Toronto sports, even though I, I as you say tragically follow them. Uh, and you can always see that any any comments I might have on Twitter. Uh, I, I do write about politics and economics uh, uh, these days for a variety of different publications. I should have a few things coming out in the next few weeks from on Salon.com um, and maybe the Huffington Post, uh, one or two other places. Uh, but I'll certainly uh, plug it on my uh, Twitter feed as well. So. Your listeners can be um, well-prepped to, to watch and read it.
1: And uh, I'm Jason. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jason at the game. Um, kind of laying low, just uh, came, came back from the Arizona Fall League uh, about a month and a half ago. So uh, just trying to kind of process all my thoughts on, you know, the tons of players that I was able to see. Uh, you can find me on Prospect 1500, and if if – if you Blue Jays fans thought this was might have, might have been a little depressing, I think we really bummed Ari out. Um, can I just say that I think Anthony Alfred's hitting like 450 in the Mexican League, the Winter League, and and with Teoscar Hernandez's finish in September, I like a lot of these pieces that I think can bridge oh, yeah. the gap. You know, until until some of the big names are ready. Me personally, and and Aaron Sanchez, they say he's in Dunedin. Uh, still working on figuring out the blister issue, but all reports I've heard have been good with him uh, working out in Dunedin, so I think there's good news. I think there's good things coming this year. That's a nice spin
0: at the end, I have to say. I mean, really, all we can do is hope that between Teosco Hernandez, Anthony Alford, maybe Dalton Pompey, Dwight Smith Jr., someone like that, to rise from the spring training ashes, and that could really change the whole complexion of the year if you've got a, y- a nice young prospect who can actually develop at the major league level it's been a novelty for us around these parts you've been listening to Ian Hunter Marshall Auerbach and Jason Waddell here on the James Journal Roundtable thanks gentlemen for joining me tonight I appreciate your time as always thanks Arie. thanks sorry. thanks Terry.